All right. Well, hello, everybody. This is Marguerite Crispillo, and I'm very excited today to have one of my very good friends, Katie Tustin Klein now, right? It is Katie Tustin Klein. Yes, it is. <laughs> and so I would love, love, love to hear a little bit about you. Now, I do know quite a bit about you already. However, our listeners don't. So tell me a little bit about you and um, your background and how you got into real estate. Well, um, I'm a listing agent and a buyer's agent. I've been doing that for several years. Uh, have done traditional real estate, short sales, uh, represented industrial sellers, commercial properties. I've kind of done it all um, following the market a little bit. Um, I'm a graduate of Cal Poly San Luis Obispo with an undergraduate in speech communication and uh, a minor in geology and uh, a master's degree in business. So geology, what made you go into geology? I like pretty rocks. <laughs> you do. I've seen all those pretty rocks around your house. <laughs> well, it's just fascinating. And going, attending college in San Luis Obispo, it has such a myriad of different, you know, geological features that are pretty fascinating that it was, you know, some people minor in art. I minored in geology, and it has served me well in the real estate business. So it's communication. Both of those things, it really, when I was in college, I didn't know I was going to do real estate, and um, it just kind of came to fruition. It was this, you know, great integration of all of these things, and then the Masters of Business, and it really set me up for real estate better than I think any other education would. You know, I would have to say um, you're one of the most impressive people I know because uh, you're hilarious 90% of the time. And uh, you always have a comic side to everything, which is always entertaining to me. Um, but I think that people underestimate you quite a bit because you're, you're pretty dang smart um, in a lot of different areas. And um, I just think people underestimate you. Thank you. I don't, you know, one of the great things is I don't think they see me coming. You know, I'm a, a middle-aged mom of two, you know, married. I drive a Toyota and um, – you know, they just they do underestimate me a lot, and it it works to my advantage. I think <laughs> it doesn't put people on edge. I think if I wore a suit and big heels and looked like a supermodel, people would think, uh, "Boy, I, I'm not so sure that this is a person that can relate to me." I like being relatable to everyone. <laughs> I think that's one of your greatest talents for sure. So, tell me, tell me what you love about real estate. It's the essence of home. It's where people, you know, it's like the treasure trove of their memory box. So when I do real estate, it's something new every day. There's just not even a possibility of getting bored with it. So if you think about an exciting career, real estate is one of those that allows you to see a million different aspects and to visit for a moment into someone's life and help them craft something that is their dream. And it's a yeah, great investment, and it's it's a win on so many levels for everybody. So what would you say has been your biggest challenge in, in the real estate industry? The dynamic market. Um, they speak a lot about, you know, the market's going up or the market's going down. And it would be delightful <laughs> if that was all there was to it. But even when the bubble was coming in um, 06, you know, I had seen signs of it in 05. My master's thesis was about housing. 
and it discussed affordability and purchasing power. And the rule is that supply and demand dictates everything. But I think people truly forget that purchasing power is the driver for all of that. You know, if, if we were planting a seed, yes, you need light and rain, but you also need some fertilizer. <laughs> and if yeah. there's no nutrients <laughs> to help that, you know, nothing is going to come of it and, and failure will uh, proceed. So the biggest challenge has been watching the market from the major market indicators, listening to what everybody talks about. But you have to have, I mean, it's almost a sixth sense of a feeling in the market. I mean, I watched something, when I price something, I know, okay, this should be gone within two weeks. If we're on week three, I know there's a market adjustment, and typically the reports are a little late on all of that. Yeah. So as an agent, you have to have your hands in the, you know, in the dough watching you know, what you're creating and making and, and knowing exactly what's happening. You know, that's interesting that you say that because, I mean, I remember well in 2005 and um, it seems, I remember in August of 2005, I put a house on the market and at that time things were flying off the shelves, you know, with multiple offers. Right. Going way over asking. And two weeks later, the house was still on the market and we'd only had a few showings and I went, huh, I think the winds have changed. But the interesting thing was is it was still... What I mean, when people actually talk about the crash, most of them don't say it was until 2008. But and we saw the signs in 2005 when the winds changed. And I remember a lot of agents saying, oh, it's just seasonal. Things will pick back up, pick back up. And it just kept dropping and dropping and dropping. <laughs> I agree with that. And I think that the biggest issue is knowing are we at a bump in a road? Is this turbulence or is this a permanent condition? You know, we're ta- everybody's been talking about a recovery recently over the years. And even back then, um, in 06, I was pretty certain the market was sick. It was, uh, there, was, there was a flu that there was, you know, no inoculation for. And I started looking at REO because I looked at my personal situation, and I consider myself a pretty average person. And I thought, boy, we're really struggling, and um, I can't be the only one. So that's when I moved into REO because I thought this is inevitable. The cash, the money flow just isn't there for homeowners, um, for people who are purchasing owner-occupant properties. And I was right, you know, and I spent a solid five years of just, it was complete management. You know, REO is such a different animal than traditional sales. I mean, it's about moving an asset so that banks and industrial sellers can continue to function. And it was a little bit tough, you know, when you go in and you tell somebody, hi, my name is Katie, and I just want to let you know I'm representing, you know, XYZ Bank, and it's time for you to move. They would look at me like it was my decision. (laughs) Right. And I would have to explain to people, you know, this is not my decision, and I would love to be able to tell you, please just stay here. This house has to be sold because it's for the health of the entire economy. It has to be done. Um, you know, banks, people think, oh, the bank is coming to do this. No, banks are buildings. They're conglomerates of people who invest their money. It's the American people, typically, who've invested in this house, and that's who we need to return it to. And it was a really tough situation, but in the long run, so many of those homes that went I could see the relief on people's faces because they were relieved of this huge debt that was kind of 
crushing their spirit a little bit. And freedom from that and allowance for a new start um, was, I would say, in about 90% of the situations, was a good thing. You know, it was, it was not a fun process, but I'm glad I could be a part of it because uh, I'm a pretty nice lady, and if someone's going to come knock on your door, I'm probably the one you want <laughs> because I'm a, I never showed up <laughs> in a Mercedes in a blue suit. That was not how that was happening. Um, and it, and I know, think it did uh... help stabilize I think um, in the beginning of that, people were really, it was really a very difficult time in that REO. People were very obviously distraught. They were embarrassed. They were uncomfortable and a number of other things. And then as it, as it became the majority, it got easier and easier for people to uh, handle that situation is what I saw. So go ahead. No, I was just going to say when the stigma went away, I mean, people started looking around, and when they didn't realize it was just them and they didn't take it as a personal failure, which it was not, it was an economic failure. It was nuclear kind of housing disaster, if you will. It was this complete implosion, and it was not individuals. Everybody was looking around. They're like, okay, I'm doing the same thing as so-and-so, and they're doing it. And to understand this huge economic balance, you know, it's like a, a house of cards. And to think, oh, gosh, was I the one, am I the only one? When something falls like that, you can't get out of the way. You just can't. Definitely. And I think when people realize that, they were more accepting. And, you know, I've seen a lot of fam- families rebuild and come back into the market and not have this looming debt, and they're so much happier. Even when I go into the market, you know, for a couple of years there in 08, the newspaper would come out and you'd drive down the street, I mean, and everybody looked gloomy. And now, you know, you see people jogging and running and happy, and I like that. It's better. You know, it's it's interesting because I think that people um, – I, I really think that people still feel the American dream is to own a home no matter what. And so even though we've gone through this, you know, worst crisis in history, is that people still have that little flicker of hope, and that hope is starting to come back again, which is which to me is very exciting. So right. tell me this. You mentioned that um, in getting into the REO, it was very uh, business and process driven, um, which I completely understand. So when it comes to business, what do you think, uh, as far as real estate agents, the biggest mistake people make as business owners, sales What do you think is the biggest mistake salespeople and business owners get wrong? You're dealing with people, and that's the most important part, and they have a goal. So we tend to go into these listings thinking, I'm going to show them how great I am. Well, here's the thing. Why don't you talk about how great they are? And if you want to really work through that process, be a great listener. That's, that's the biggest thing. I mean, you have to have a little bit of an outgoing personality to do real estate and be very open because you get entrenched in people's lives. And in the business part, you also have to be open, but you have to be private and candid because it's personal information. So being a great listener and watching what you say at the same time while being friendly and open, it's a critical skill that takes years to develop. So, Kate, I know that um, you've, gotten, you've got quite the street cred. You've done some big numbers, and you ranked uh, on the Wall Street Journal. What did you rank? Um, I ranked a couple years in a row, but I was in the top 30 um, every time, and then I was featured in California Association of Realtors magazine as they had my numbers as the top producing female agent for transaction size in California, 
And I think that might have been 12 or 11, I don't know, a couple of years ago. I was amazed. And so how many, how many units was that? Do you remember? Um, well, there was one year where I closed a home every day of the week. Wow, every day of the that's week. pretty so, cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I was surprised when I looked back. I thought, God, I'm kind of tired. And my husband looked at me and he said, you think? I was like, oh, yeah, there's that. (laughs) So how how do you stay productive? Like what is it you do on a day-to-day basis to really stay focused? Organization. you're doing that kind of volume. Being organized, addressing things, not wasting time, cutting to the chase, uh, complete solutions driven. There's no time to take anything personally. One of the tough things was, you know, I would have agents on the other side that would be trying to do something. And they would call me, and if I didn't answer the phone right away, they were really irritated. And I can understand that. I had one agent call me, and um, my assistant was like, well, I can help you. You know, can we address this? And she was really mad and said, well, Kate doesn't care about us. You know, we're the other agents, and she's selling all this stuff. She doesn't have a worry in the world. And uh, hung up on my agent. And our, my assistant, my assistant comes in and she's like, you know, there's this agent, she's really mad. And I stopped what I was doing and I called her and I said, hey, um, I'm sorry, you are really important. Today, I, um, I had a man pass away in one of the properties. And I went over there and they were taking him out and um, I had to beg them for his cell phone so that I could call a family member. This was his home. We were going to take it in foreclosure. And I know that what you needed today was important, but sometimes there's something else pressing. Please don't ever think that I just didn't think your call was important. And we talked, and she was like, oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. And I think a lot of agents didn't really understand at that time that if I didn't call somebody back, it wasn't because, you know, I was on the golf course, you know, saying, woohoo, it's under time. My golf game suffered those years, I want people to know. Um, it was because, you know, we had different oddities, squatter things breaking in and um, pretty high-intensity situations that needed a complete focus. So in real estate every day now, I became really adept at treating my business like a triage. First things first, what's, what's, in, the, what's in cardiac arrest? Um, I address those things, and I, I address them quickly, and I think people have a human nature to not address the uncomfortable situation. And the yeah. second that you flip that, your business gets a whole lot better because they have to be addressed. They don't go away. Exactly. They get bigger. <laughs> so I know that um, you have a couple kids, and you have a, a very busy husband and very very busy life. So what do you do to stay, I guess, what we would call balanced? I'm not sure that there's any actual technical balance, but what, what do you do to stay balanced and have fun? Well, for me, I think more than a balance, it is um, staying on an emotional level that doesn't include chaos. Um, organization and planning time to be with the kids. Like this weekend, I'm so happy. Um, it's Mother's Day weekend, and we worked all week, and I have the ability to get everything squared away so that I know I can have a four-hour window or a five-hour window today um, after, let's say, 1 o'clock where I can just relax. And sometimes to not answer the phone. And I typically always do. My clients require it, and I really appreciate that. But there is a time that, you know, maybe you can take an hour. And planning that and being really focused and doing each task 
at separate times. Multitasking is a huge gift, but it also can be tragic. If you get interrupted when you're doing something, clinical studies show that it takes almost 20 minutes to get back on track. So I've learned over the years that if I am engaging in something, that phone doesn't get picked up, that project gets finished so that it's done properly, and it gives me a lot more time in the day. And uh, really my favorite thing is to hang out in the backyard on a Saturday night with an oak fire and music playing and roasty marshmallows with my kids. That's my happy place, which is such a low benchmark. <laughs> and you have such a great backyard. I know you worked hard for it. You have an amazing backyard, which is super cool. Oh. I, know that, uh, I, know, I know we had some uh, bocce ball tournaments there a little while back, and uh, I think you're going to have to have a new tournament with my husband, Joe. I am never playing with your husband, Jogan. <laughs> I am far too vain to take that kind of whooping on my own home course. <laughs> I think he practices. I don't know. I, uh, and I'm Italian. It hurts. And I know that, you know, he's from Spain. And I always think, well, do you have this in Spain? What are you doing? <laughs> he just has that competitive nature. And, you know, we have uh, we don't have bocce ball at our house. We have horseshoe pits. And, um, for years and years and years, he was undefeated on uh, his pits. And last summer, I think it was, somebody beat him, and he has just been beside himself since then, <laughs> practicing, making sure no one will ever beat him again. It's hilarious. Of course, yeah, he's, he's, my he's great husband, Joe. <laughs> he's pretty so, good. Um, so how do you think that uh, – I'm kind of fascinated right now with social media. You know, there's so much going on with it. And – how do you think that that's changed kind of how who clients and customers decide to work with? Do you think that it's it's impacting who they decide to choose as a realtor? It's interesting that you ask that. Um, social media has so many different indications. And just primarily, I mean, they call our Barack Obama, they say he's the social media president, which shows how much influence there is in people that um, – you know, those are relationships. They talk about those not being real relationships on social media. There's a lot of trust that's generated through this, these friendships that you have, primarily because you can kind of create semi-intimate relationships. Um, they call them parasocial, kind of like when somebody sees a movie star and they think, and they read about him in Star Magazine or see interviews, and they think that they really know that person and they can relate to them, when in reality, that's a public persona that they put on. Social media is the same way, but this trust is really generated, and, and people will take those referrals immediately. It's a significant power. However, advertising and the like, I'm not so sure that that's as effective, but creating those relationships and letting people know that you do, relate, do, do real estate or, and that is your profession, they talk, you know, they're one of your, what, thousand friends. They have 500 to 1,000 friends, if they know somebody's moving or looking for a house and you've created that relationship, it's the best way to have a referral-based business that you can get. And if you use it effectively and you're positive, um, it's great. I mean, I've seen some agents that post all the time, I'm busy, I'm tired, I need a nap, I'm out for drinks. And I think to myself, why don't you just maybe change your profile picture to say, I can't service you. I think that's a big mistake. <laughs> I think they, I um, letting people, right? I can't service you. It's cocktail hour. That is right. not really. <laughs> yeah, call me after happy hour. <laughs> right, right. That's, 
that's maybe not the message, and you should be cognizant of that if you have a lot of relationships that maybe aren't close personal friends who have the opportunity to know you in a different situation or in a professional situation and know that that's not the bulk of your existence. Exactly. Um, to, to be balanced in that and to relate to people, that's, that's the biggest thing. Um, I have kids. You have kids. I understand what you're going through. It is a wonderful way to get to know people and care about them. You know, I, I see a lot of people post that they have hardships or somebody in the family passed away and just letting them know, you know, I care about that because we don't always have the opportunity to do it, and that does create a level of trust. It grows your business, and it also, being a realtor, I tell people it's not a job, it's a lifestyle. Absolutely. N- n- there is no nine to five. So you have to incorporate it in truly every aspect it, to be successful. And social media allows you to do that in a really positive way as long as you monitor it well. You know, yesterday I sat on a, a panel for NARREP on branding and a number of other things. And and I think one of the most important things that we talked about is that real estate is and always has been about relationships. And, you know, the more good ones you have, typically the more successful you will be meaning that, you know, you're just not friends with everybody just to have friends, but you are actually connecting. I think a big mistake that I see on Facebook is uh, like the Facebook stalkers where they, you know, go around and and read stuff, but they don't comment, they don't engage, they don't, you know, respond. And I think that that's so vitally important. It's hugely important, and it's a show of integrity. Like I'm willing to put myself out there to let you know that, yeah, I – I'm interested in what you're doing. It's really important. And social media is just one asset of how many avenues we have to promote our business. And it's truly daunting. You know, I remember um, in the early years, I'd be like, oh, newspaper's expensive. I don't want to put in a newspaper ad. You know, I don't know if I'm going to get any calls. And now, oh, my gosh, you have thousands of different choices to try to advertise. And being able to discern where you're going to hit your demographic is huge. Social media is free. And if you look back at um, Joe Stump, he's referral only, correct, by mm-hmm. referral only? Yeah. Yeah. This is, I mean, it's almost like Joe Stump. I mean, I know they say Al Gore invented the Internet, but maybe it was Joe Stump. I don't know. <laughs> I'll tell him that. You I'm know. interviewing him in a few weeks. I'll say, Joe, I think we think you, you created the Internet. <laughs> he may have invented Facebook, but, I mean, the whole essence of that program, and I have yet to meet anyone who said, you know, that program doesn't work for me. If you follow that program, it's excellent. And if you can transition the former way of doing that into social media, it doesn't get any simple, more simple. It's just, it's so obvious and it's it's a good way to do it. And it's kind of nice, you know, when you're busy, you can take a moment and check in on people that you care about. So because social media has changed things so much, like I know when we grew up, you know, obviously we didn't have social media. I used to say my mom didn't know where I was until the lights, you know, the, the street lights came on. We had to be home. So what would you say to your younger you? About social media or just in general? I think just in in general. Like I, I look at my younger self and I, you know, I was, uh, I was pretty high strung and, uh, a lot of energy, and, and I was, um, I think that I just always kind of wondered where I was going to go. 
And so I just wonder, I think back, and I think if I could just tell myself back then to just be patient and just follow your bliss, do what you love. (laughs) Uh, That might have saved me a lot of headaches. I think I would have had a long conversation with myself that the universe exists further than a three-foot circumference around my being. I think uh, it's, (laughs) it's, it's very easy to think that the world revolves around you and it's a big place and people have different views of things and that should be respected. I mean, I, I used to think that everyone thought the way that I did and I thought the way that my parents did. Um, education helped quell that a little bit. And I would tell my younger self that it's about people. As I get a little bit older, you know, I'm rolling into the, the real comfortable middle part of my life and I see that family, relationships, moments, happy times, losing the stress. I mean, it's going to work out. It's going to be okay as long as you stay focused and do what you're supposed to do, but to really take the joy. And that's, you know, it's contagious. When you see somebody who's happy, it's really contagious. And you try to outsmart somebody or, you know, I remember when I started in business, people would say, um, you're in sales. Don't, Don't share your sales tips with other people. And I'd think, oh, okay, you know, and I'd go out and do what I had to do, and I'd think of something really new. And I, I'm a talker, so I would always want to share it, and people would be like, oh, my gosh, why would you do that? You're in competition. I think in real estate sometimes people think that, and it's just not true. I mean, you kind of are, but you're on the same team. You're on the team to help people get in homes. You'll have to work with those agents at some point in time. You're not adversarial. You're looking towards a mutual win every single time. And I think I would have told my younger self, especially my younger real estate self, the other agents are your most important advocate in this business. You are are blind. (laughs) So important. And if you think that you can do this without their assistance, um, you're a fool. Absolutely. So relating to other agents and helping them, that's kind of one of the reasons where I really, um, I do work with uh, HUD BLB Resources. One of the things I love about that position, other than the fact they're a great company to work for, they always push me to be a little bit better in my career, but I get to reach out and absolutely assist other agents, and I know that I do that well. And HUD is not a difficult process. It's just a little bit different. And if you're trying to do anything and you forget any direction, it can be a little hard because you're not on the right track. So being able to stop and help the other agents it's really lovely, but one of the best things is when they kind of say, uh, why are you calling me? You know, if, if their bid gets in, or I've seen that they show the home, and I send them an email that says, hey, how did you like it? You know, this is a HUD home. I can walk you through it. They're completely surprised when they call yeah. and I actually answer the phone. And they say, well, can you walk me through this? And I'm like, yeah, sure. You, know, you want to come to my office? It may take an hour. I have some webinars. Um, I wish that my younger self, I wish that younger agents knew being on it, knowing that you're a team to get the job done is critical. You know, when I was uh, 22, I was a receptionist in a mortgage company, and I I was in a little argument with my manager, uh, not so appropriate at 20 at any age, but uh, certainly at 22. And I remember this friend of my husband Joe's came in. His name was Bob Townsend. I'll never forget. He he's such an awesome guy. He's still around. And he said, he goes, honey, I'm going to tell you something. (laughs) 
He goes, don't ever burn a bridge. He goes, you never know who you're going to be working for or who's going to be working for you. And I, I swear that has been the absolute best advice I think I've ever received in my career because it really taught me the importance of every relationship matters. And whether, you know, they're a client or another real estate agent, you know, uh, a lender, an affiliate, a title company, it, 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 there's value to everybody. And the more that you pay attention to that, I think the more successful you'll be. I had that last year. Um, I had been doing a short sale with a gentleman. They pulled out the day before um, for various reasons. He was trying to push the people out, and I told him they need a week after the sale closes. It went bad. We, we did not end on good terms. Sure enough, he shows up on the other side of the deal this year. And I look and I'm like, oh, my God, how do I make this better? And I just thought, well, I, I, better, I better make my dinner of crow and eat it. And I, I called him and I said, um, you know, it's been a couple years since we've talked, and I know that we parted on terms that were not good, but I'd like to let you know that um, – I feel bad about that situation, and it has kind of haunted me, and I'm glad we're going to be on a deal again because it's a time where I can make it right. So I want you to know that uh, bygones are bygones. I'm here to help you in any way that I can. Please reach out to me. (laughs) And he didn't talk to me for the first three weeks of the deal. He did not say a word. And then he needed some help, and I was nice, and I answered his questions, and by the time we were done, it was okay. But that's not a fun way to start a deal. There's never a time. I mean, just... Honestly, if you have to figure out, tell somebody, if you're getting angry, I, I don't know, just maybe let the phone accidentally disconnect before you say anything that you might regret. It's not <laughs> worth it. Um, just tell them, oh, I was under a bridge. I'm so sorry. I mean, they don't know. It's metaphorically, I was in a dark place. <laughs> under a bridge is under a bridge. I was turning into a troll. It was not going to go good. Um <laughs> You know, I, I tell I tell the um, younger real estate agents all the time or the newer, I'm like, you know what, just give everything 24 hours. Whatever you think the emergency or drama or end of the world is, you know, just, just put everything on hold for 24 hours, and it's amazing how it works out. Like one of the funny stories is when I, early in my career I had some good friends of mine bought a house, and they called me the night before they were signing and said, we're not buying the house and we're getting a divorce. <laughs> I was like, right. oh, my goodness. I'm like, what? So I spent like an hour with him on the phone. I hung up, and I just, I'm like, I don't even know what to do. I just went to sleep, let it sit. They're like, cancel it, cancel it. And I did not cancel it. I just let it sit. And the next day, after they'd gotten some sleep and, you know, talked and come back to reality, it all worked out. And a uh, funny story is those guys are still married today. They're still good friends of mine. That was 18 years ago. But, um you just sometimes you just got to walk away from the situation. <laughs> Take a little deep right. breath, look around, yeah. And have a lot of faith that it's going to work out. That is one thing too. I have seen deals work that I thought would never come together, and I've seen things implode that seemed like a slam dunk. You yeah. can never be sure because the universe has a plan that's greater than your efforts, which is true. For sure. And you <laughs> you can do whatever you can do, but if it is not supposed to go down that way, I don't care what you do. It it just won't. So you have to um, let things happen at times. I mean, I remember being a buyer before I was an agent and being so upset I didn't get this house um, in Rockland. I was, you know, in tears and mad at my agent. Why why didn't you tell me there was going to be other offers? I mean, I I didn't understand that whole process. 
And um, it was a thank God for unanswered prayers. We got the right house, and they ended up expanding that street. Uh, The front yard went away on that house, and I thought, oh, wow, I really thought it, that somebody was looking out for me. And you have to understand that somebody's looking out for your buyers and your sellers too, and you do the best that you can, but it just it works out the way it's supposed to. So I have one last question, and then we'll wrap up. If you could recommend only one book, what would it be? That's easy. Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I laugh because I have never read it cover to cover. I always try. You know, I've taken it on planes, and I've, uh, you know, relaxed by the pool with it. And um, once I get through the first two chapters, I'm reminded of what I need to know. And I love his uh, allegory about the dog wagging their tail. Wag your tail. He says, you know, how do you live for free, get fed, uh, make people happy, be treated well, get invited into, you know, the best spot of the bed, <laughs> how does that work? And it, uh, <laughs> he says, be happy to see people. Be excited about them. Every single person, I mean, if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, being accepted and loved is right up there. You know, it's above safety and security. People want to be validated. And when you read Dale Carnegie, he had such a way of making people feel important, and every person is. And when you can remember that, and take the art of it by remembering something about their kids. And it enriches your life, too. I mean, people are always surprised when we talk. And I had this call from a guy the other day, and I sold him a house, or I sold a house for him 10 years ago. And he was talking about his wife, and he said something, and I said, gosh, she's one of the most beautiful women, so tall, and um, she looks just like your son. And he looked at me, and he goes, you remember Erin, my wife? I'm like, of course. He goes, you only met her once. Like, well, she was so fabulous, it was easy. And I thought, wow, he's married to that fabulous woman. He must be fabulous, too. <laughs> and, he, and our conversation of let me re-get to know you from 10 years later because we haven't talked much turned into a really familiar place. And that wasn't a show or anything. That was truly, I mean, he had this fabulous wife and this great family, and he had done so many nice things on the house. Remembering those things are important, and people need that, and that book, I mean, even the first two chapters will, if you're having, if you're in a place where you just feel like you're not connecting, it can bring you back in a half hour. I mean, really, it's, it's probably the best book out there of all because real estate's about people, and that book is absolutely about people. That's awesome. Wag your tail. Wag your tail. Well, Kate, thank you so much for taking the time today. I know you have a busy schedule, and I really appreciate you, you taking, carving a little piece out for us. Is there anything else that you'd like to say to our listeners out there in podcast land? If ever for a moment you think about not doing real estate, I'd like you to look at the want ads. Because there are you <laughs> in my life that I have thought, oh, my gosh, I'd just like to have a weekend off or, you know, it'd be so nice to have a steady paycheck. And that's really great. But real estate is limitless. And it's within you. People are always going to buy and sell houses, no matter what the market's doing. It's not that there's not as much money out there. It's that different people have it. So if you're in tune with that and you want to stay busy with real estate, know who's buying and who's selling because it will always change. People always need habitat. It leads everything from the market that you shop in to the roads that you drive. Everything on this earth, if you are not in space, It involves real estate. So don't give up. 
Be smart. That's awesome. And, um, Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome, Marguerite. Thank you. Thanks. You have an awesome day, and thanks for taking time. Bye. Bye.